Hello and welcome to the Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name is Pete West and I've spent half a lifetime collecting stamps and more than 10 years buying and selling them. In these podcasts I want to share some personal stories, tips and tricks that I've learned along the way and maybe encourage a few non-philatelists to take up this fascinating and absorbing hobby. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the 10th Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name's Pete. I'm Sheila. And what are we talking about today, Pete? Well, today we're going to be talking about the British Commonwealth omnibus issues. The omnibus issues has nothing to do with the number 84 double-decker. The omnibus issues are where the same design is used on a stamp for several different countries. And the idea was thought up to commemorate the Silver Jubilee of King George V in 1935. And it was decided that all the Crown Colonies would issue the same stamp. So it was used in a design by Hugo Fleury, and it was for Windsor Castle in a, an elaborate frame. And it is, it's a very nice stamp. This, surprisingly, was recess printed by all three of the major printers of the era. Bradbury, Wilkinson, Waterloo's Sons and De La Rue all printed some of the stamps throughout the Commonwealth. So what's recess printing? Recess printing is basically where the, the picture is engraved on, onto a, a block and the ink falls into the gaps and it's the gaps that produce the picture as opposed to line engraved where the raised bit produces the picture. This is the other way round. Is it way round, okay. And as I said, these were printed by all the the stamps in the Commonwealth, uh, which came to 250 stamps altogether. And they are, are identical. All they did was the main die was made by Waterloo and Sons, and then each of the, the printers used the same main die, but... They had a, an insert for the country name and for the different values for each one. There's generally four to a set, and as I said, that's 250 stamps in all. And it's a very attractive stamp. It's, Great Britain didn't use the same design. They had a different design. And quite frankly, the, the British design for the Silver Jubilee is quite disappointing, whereas the one for the Commonwealth is really nice. These um, omnibus editions are... A nice way to collect stamps because you've got a whole group of stamps that all look the same barring the name of the country and it's an attractive look and although I haven't got the George V Silver Jubilee set I have got several other omnibus editions. If you wanted the Silver Jubilee set it's gonna cost you 1500 to 2000 pounds to buy the whole set so it's not a cheap set. But it is quite an attractive set. This set the trend for many other omnibus editions, often used to commemorate a royal event, and the next one being the King George VI coronation. But the one I want to talk about is the Victory set, issued in 1945-46 to commemorate victory in World War II. And the design was met with a lot of criticism, and it is pretty bland to be honest. 
it's basically a picture of Houses of Parliament from uh, the river with a picture of the king alongside it. Um, not particularly inspiring. And consequently, it's not a popular set and the prices are quite low. Again, there were uh, nearly 200, 160 stamps in the complete series and less than £100 will buy you a set of those simply because of the design and, and the look. It's, it's a strange phenomenon really but I mean you would think a stamp to commemorate the end of the second world war would be quite something amazing yeah I don't know whether it was because of the austerity that was surrounding the the end of the war and, and whether they thought an ostentatious set would would not go down well but I'm surprised they didn't put Winston Churchill on the stamp yeah there is an omnibus edition for Winston Churchill later on but after the war, it, yeah, it was a, it was a simple design of, of the Houses of Parliament, which, which seems pretty uninspiring, I have to say. In fact, uh, New Zealand decided to produce their own set of 11 stamps, and they are all individually designed, and they are a really nice set, and, and very popular. So I'm sure the, the Postal Service could have come up with something better, and if they had, would have been more valuable. But um, there we go, that's what they produced, so... Not a particularly inspiring set, but that does make it cheap for the collector and quite easy to get hold of as well. They're all readily available. The next one that I want to talk about is the 75th anniversary of the UPU, issued in 1949. OK, Pete, before we go any further, what's a UPU? The UPU stands for the Universal Postal Union. This was formed in 1874 as a way of regulating international post. Before this was brought about, if you wanted to send a letter from England to France, for example, there had to be an agreement between England and France for the French to take over the, the delivery of the letter. And what happened was there were loads of pairs of countries that had made their own agreements all over the world, and it was quite a messy arrangement. And if you didn't have an agreement with a particular country, you then had to arrange for your own private courier or for some other country's courier to deliver your post in that country. So whereas now we buy a stamp and that is literally paying the cost from A to B, back in the day you would pay from A to B and then another charge from B to C, the final destination. In some cases that's what happened, yes. Yeah, as I said, it depended on the country. Some countries would take over the post, but it was a, it was a private arrangement between two countries. Each country had a slightly different arrangement and it got very complicated. And you got the, the situation where if somebody in America wanted to send a letter to, I don't know, to Italy, for example it would have to go to Germany first and then the German Postal Service would take it on to Italy because there was no agreement between America and, and Italy. So this was all happening before what year? 1874. The treaty was signed by several countries. I think it was about 25 countries in that they would share the postal cost. And what the treaty said was that the country where the letter started out would collect the fee for international postage costs and they would keep the whole fee. But the country that it was going to would then accept the letter, deliver it as per normal, as though it was one of their own letters. And the feeling was that 
if somebody wrote a letter, for example, from England to France, the likelihood was that that French person would then write back to England. So it would equal itself out. And that worked. That's how the system has been ever since, more or less. But it did bring in a couple of complications. The first one was that how did the receiving company know that it was a bona fide stamp from that country? What was to stop someone putting a fake stamp on, getting it into the a fake English stamp, getting it into the French system and it being delivered? And so they set up a system where each country would send a specimen of their stamp to every country within the postal union. These stamps are now available on the market. They're all overprinted with the word specimen, or in some cases with punched in holes to make the word specimen. But every time there was a new issue, for example, in England, every time there was a new issue, they would send a copy of that issue to every country in the postal union so that they knew this is what an English stamp looks like. So somebody in these countries is actually checking every single posted stamp against the specimen just to make sure that's, it is that's the theory. a real stamp. And, and what happened, as I understand it, was they would take a copy of this specimen and send it out to all the postmasters in, in the country so that they knew what they were looking for. Obviously, forgery still went through, but it was a lot more difficult. So The other thing they did to try and make things easy was they standardised the colour of stamps. And for many years, each country within the Universal Postal Union had the same colour stamp for postcards, which was green. And for a normal inland letter, the stamp was red. It didn't matter what the value was, but if it was a red stamp, that meant it covered the cost of an inland letter. And for the international mail, it was always a blue stamp. So in this way different countries knew that that covered the cost of the post. And the other thing they did as well was to insist that the value of the stamp was written in numerals, not in words, so that you could understand the value of a stamp from China, from South America, from Russia. You could still see it had a 5 on it or a 10 on it, so it could be understood worldwide. Those two systems stayed in place for many, many years. The colour ones eventually faded out, but each country still puts the value in numerals rather than words to make life easier for the postal services. The final thing the Universal Postal Union did was to set standards of the postal service worldwide so that each country that wanted to join the union, and there's now 192 countries, which covers virtually all the countries in the world, So anyway, that's what the Universal Postal Union is. The set that was used to commemorate the 75th anniversary, within the Commonwealth, it was like all the other omnibus editions. It was the same stamp, just with the different countries' name put on them. There were, in fact, many other countries outside of the Commonwealth that produced issues at the same time to commemorate this anniversary. But here we were only dealing with the Commonwealth omnibus issues. And there were four stamps issued. The low value shows a depiction of Mercury standing on a a globe. The next one is two halves of the globe intertwined with the UPU, Universal Postal Union, banner. Another one of Mercury in the the third value. And the highest value uses a UPU emblem, which is kind of like a globe on top of a rock. It was designed in 1900 by an architect and stands outside the headquarters in Switzerland. 
And these four stamps, as I said, were were identical throughout all the issues of the Commonwealth. And in total, there were 310 stamps produced. The value of these is rather strange because they're worth a lot more used than they are mint, which is unusual. The feeling is that by this time, people enjoyed collecting omnibus issues. And so lots of people bought them and kept them mint. They didn't use them as, as general posts, so they didn't actually go through the postal system very much. So they're harder to come by as a used set than a mint set. And a used set would cost around about £700, whereas the mint set is about half of that. So there's quite a bit of difference in that set. But again, it's a nice looking set and it's interesting to buy. So if the idea of collecting omnibus editions has uh, grabbed your interest after this podcast, there are numerous ones you can go for. Particularly, as we've said before, with a royal connection. There's, of course, the coronation of George VI. There's the coronation of Queen Elizabeth. There's all the recent weddings of Andrew and Fergie, Anne and Mark Phillips, Charles and Diana. There's the Queen's birthdays, the Silver Jubilee, Diamond Jubilee, the Golden Jubilee... Far too many to choose from, and to be honest, now it's becoming too common to have an omnibus edition. In my personal viewpoint, it needs to slow down a bit. There there seems to be an omnibus edition for everything. I think for me, the last really interesting one was the Churchill commemoration, or 65, 66, 67. It was brought out over a, a few years For that, there was 182 stamps, and it has a picture of Churchill on the front with an image of the Blitz in the background. That was probably the last, what I consider, complete and interesting omnibus issue. However, if you're into royalty, as I said, there are numerous ones for everything that has happened to the royals. You can guarantee there'll be a set of stamps to commemorate. So what was the most recent omnibus edition then? Uh, The most recent Omnibus edition, to my knowledge, was earlier this year when it was the Queen's 95th birthday and there were sets issued to commemorate her 95th birthday. So these things will carry on being issued and are always available and are a fun way to start a collection. So, So look out for them. Anyway, thanks for listening to today's Our Dad Stamps podcast. Listen again next week for another edition. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and maybe you've learnt a little too. I would love to hear from you with your tips and stories. I can be found on Facebook and Instagram as Our Dad Stamps, as well as through my online shops at eBay and DevCamp. Listen again next week for another episode of the Our Dad Stamps podcast.